Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right, so if you are around One Hope for very long at all, you'll begin to hear little tidbits of the Moore family, all right? Little behind-the-scenes kind of stories of what go on. I think we're a pretty typical uh, family like yours, and one of the things that happens is sometimes we lose things, okay? It's simple things like the keys, maybe an AirPod, a remote, something like this. We lose them and have to figure out a plan. How do we find these again? Well, for the many years now, we have had a plan. We've had a plan. We've got a go-to plan that we, we have in our house, and that is to use what we'll say is our little hound dog in the house. For years, Amber and I have said, Jackson just has a way of sniffing things out that we lose. It's like he has the instincts. He has the determination just to find what we're looking for. So this is how it plays out. Say I lose something. Jackson, can you come here for a second? All right, buddy. I've lost my AirPod, let's say. I've lost my AirPod. I have no idea where it is. I've tried to look for it. I can't find it. Can you go looking for it? And once he knows what he's searching for, and once he knows what it is, and then I say, if you find it, when he's younger, I'd be like, I'll give you a dollar, okay? As he got older, he got expensive on me. Sometimes it'd be like $5, all right? Like, I really need that AirPod, right? So once he knows, he goes off and he looks. And he looks under cushions. He looks in closets. He looks like he's found stuff like my pockets in like a jacket or something. He just, he goes and he looks. He's looking under beds. Just, it does not matter. Jackson goes after it. And, and then at some point, he just comes back. It's in his hand. He's got it. He just, this is what Jackson does. He has found what I need him to find, the thing that I want. Now, the problem is, as Jackson's got older, one dollar does not entice him. As he's gotten his own job, five dollars does not even entice him. And so Amber and I, while it was good while it's lasted are now on our own to find the things that we lose. Now, why am I telling you this part of our family's life? I think it will make sense as we continue this series that we started last week. See, if you're new with us this morning, you're a guest. I love that you're here. I hope that you'll join us in what we're doing. We've been talking about the questions that Jesus asks all throughout Scripture. And when Jesus asks these questions, they're designed to kind of force us to to think. They're designed to force us to decide which side are we going to be on, what direction are we going to pick. They force us to decide how we're going to answer some of life's most important questions. Now last week, we started out with a question that I said may be the most important question you'll ever be asked in your life. You'll be forced to make the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus asks the people, asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? He knew people were talking about him. They had all their answers. He said, who do you say that I am? 
And how you answer that question changes the trajectory of your life. Now, you can always go back and listen to that message because we've got to move on to the next question today. And for today's question, is going to force us to think just as much. We're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Okay, so I'll give you a moment. you got your Bibles. You can take those out. You know, we use our phones. If you're in the room, there's a Bible under your seat if you want to use it or read it on the screen. We're going to go John chapter 1, verse 35. All right, you ready? The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? Simple, but this is going to cut through right to our hearts, right to our life. What is it that we want? Now, that's what the NIV says. Now, the ESV, this is what it says. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? That was NIV, that was ESV. You continue to read, you look in the CSB. It says, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? You get the essence of this question, right? So what's happening right here? Well, the John that's being talked about here is not John the writer, but who is it? John the Baptist. That's who he's talking right now. And just previously to this moment, if you go back a little bit, what you'll see is John is having to have a conversation with people to clear up an issue. He has to clear up the issue that he is not the Christ. So then people are wondering, well, then who are you? And John the Baptist quotes famous texts in Isaiah, where prophecies are given about the Messiah that's to come, he says, I'm the voice of the one calling in the desert, coming right from Isaiah. And he continues to, to let them know, to make sure they know he is not the Messiah. He says this, I am not even worthy to untie the sandals of the Messiah. That's how much I'm not the Christ. He's not even worthy to untie the sandals. So he has that conversation. Now, just the day before what I read today, just the day before, John is, is, is walking. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on, and he knows who Jesus is, and he declares, this is the Lamb of God. This is the person that he's been telling people about. He had been proclaiming that this day was coming, and there he is, right in front of him. And then the day comes. 1 John 35. The day comes that John the Baptist is walking with two of his disciples, two guys that have bought into his teaching, two guys that believed in what John the Baptist was doing. And there he was, Jesus, walking by. The disciples are with him, and he looks at Jesus. He says, there is the Lamb of God. 
how I picture this moment is, if you watched my um, social media yesterday, you know that I made a very quick trip from Tuscaloosa on Friday afternoon to Charlotte, North Carolina for Friday night, Charlotte all day, and then back here last night, okay? I made a quick trip because I got a call. Hey, Scott, do you want to go to the President's Cup? Yeah, I do. Let's go. Let's get in the car. Like, I'll, I'll hitch my ride to this. Let's go. I'm sitting in the back seat, and it was great. We went and had a great time. And we went there with a purpose. Not just to see these famous golfers, but there was one that we all wanted to see. And so we got up at 4.30 in the morning. We got ready. Got our tire on. Went to quail hollow golf club we went in line we walked it's still dark out and we're walking and we look over and we see some people on the driving range and we keep walking and we get to the first hole but we pass the first hole we get to the second hole and there's this moment that all of a sudden justin thomas and jordan spieth come up to the tee box and we're like there they are that's it that's it roll tide let's go you know USA, USA, all that stuff, right? It was this moment where all of a sudden it's like this, these people are the ones that we're waiting for. And yesterday, as I'm on this course and I'm also thinking about this message, I'm like, this is maybe what it's like. It's like we, we came here. This is who we wanted to see. And there he is right in front of us. See, we know the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. They're always looking. They're always wanting. Then there he is. Can you picture that moment? Can you picture that feeling like this is the one? At least the one that John the Baptist says it, he is. And then what they do is they begin to follow him. This is what we did yesterday. All morning we went from hole to hole, watching JT and Jordan speak, the people we really came to watch. But then Jesus notices them. And he asks what seems to be a very obvious question. But as I said, sometimes questions will cut right to the heart. They'll cut right into our life. I think he asks the question we read today because he's setting culture from the beginning expectations from the beginning and he turns around and he looks at them and he says what do you want but I'll add those three words you see on the end what do you want in your life simple question but be honest like I think what I mostly see in people's lives is that we all we want something in life but we're not quite sure what it is or how to get it. This is a human condition that we have these desires, these wants inside us, but how do we get there? And I think what happens to many of us is we don't decide what we want in life, so life chooses it for us. Do you ever feel like life is making the decisions more than you are? And you're going along for the ride. And when this happens, life ends up feeling frustrating. It feels confusing. It feels stressful. It ends up being random. It ends up being unproductive. Where am I going? I'm not quite sure what I want. 
It reminds me of a movie scene, and I'm going to be honest from the front. I'm not really going to enjoy the reaction to the movie I'm going to talk about because I know it's going to end up on my social media and texts, whatever. But it reminds me of a scene from The Notebook. It reminds me from a scene from The Notebook where Rachel McAdams has to make a decision. Is it going to be Noah or is it going to be Lon? I know this movie too much. Is it going to be Noah or it's going to be Lon? And there's this scene where Noah is frustrated. And he looks at her and goes, what do you want? Forget what your dad wants. Forget what your mom wants. Forget what Lon wants. Forget what I want. What do you want? And her response is basically, it's not that easy. She's confused. She's frustrated, and she drives away in the scene just in tears, not knowing what she really wants. And I know our life isn't the notebook. But I think we can live here sometimes. Do we decide really what we want? Jesus is asking the question, like, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? Why are you following me right now? It seems like an innocent question, but I think it's a very deep question, a question that we often wrestle with and we don't wrestle with enough. This is such an important question because there's two ways we can go about living our lives. And the life that Jesus is going to offer is going to be vastly different than what the world is going to offer. I'll say that again. That this life that Jesus is going to offer us is going to be vastly different than what the world is going to offer. And this is why this question is so important and we have to answer it. What this question does is it forces us to decide which direction are we going to go. It's going to decide which direction we're going to go when we're in search of really what we want. Because I think the truth is, and I need to be honest with yourself in this moment. I think the truth is that for many of us, we want Jesus but we also want the world. It's one of the biggest problems in life. Could it be said one of the biggest problems in life is that we want Jesus, but we also want the world. And we may not say it, but this is the wrestling match that's going on inside of all of us. And once again, Jesus and what he's offering is vastly different what the world is going to offer. They're not, they're not cohesive. They're not compatible. But we try to make them compatible. We try to force these two worlds together because we have these deep desires, these deep wants inside of us. And there's Jesus saying, what do you want? If you're following me, I got to know what you're about. But here's what I want you to know this morning. I think that every one of us have three basic wants 
that is compatible with all of us. Three basic wants. I think are the wants we all have in life are these. Love, purpose, and provision. Now, some others, as I read, they write, uh, I've heard it said that everybody wants to belong, to matter, and to be safe. Whatever way you want to say it. There's these three basic needs, I think, that we all want. But where we get these needs met is going to change how we go about life. That I think all of us walk through life wanting to be loved. French mathematician um, Blaise Pascal said, is, is said to have said it this way. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. There is a hole in our heart, he is saying, that is screaming out to be filled. But by who and where is that going to be filled? I see in the Psalms that King David, he realizes this. He owns this. In his answer, you see in Psalm 42, 1, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David points to his life and goes, I know what's going on inside of me. I have this want, I have this desire, and it is only going to be quenched by God. And I'm going to say this is at the core of who we are. I'm going to say this is at the deepest levels of who we are. The problem is what? You know what the problem is. We chase and we chase and we chase this love in so many places in so many ways. We want to be loved so much. So we follow these lustful, broken desires in our heart. We want to be loved so much that we follow unhealthy people that do unhealthy things to us because we just want to feel loved. We want to be loved so much that we try to fill the void with just about anything, stuff that can never, can never, won't ever love us back. We try to find these places and the result of our lives is it seems like we are never satisfied in the wrestling of we want Jesus and we want the world. When, when we begin to fill it with these things, it never satisfies. It never makes us feel complete. See, what our soul wants is to feel wholeness from the love of God. But what we are left with is the emptiness from the love of this world that we just keep going after. And so Jesus, this moment, these two people start following him. It says the first two disciples start following him. 
I think Jesus knows that we just want to be connected to, we want to belong, we want to, to, we want to be loved. He sees them and he's like, but here's the deal, where are you going to find that love? Where are you going to fill this desire? And I think if conversations happen, you'd be like, is it going to be me or is it going to be this? How are you going to have that want taken care of? Now, the second thing I told you was, was purpose. Was purpose. Everybody wants to have a purpose. I believe each and every one of us are created to be part of a story that's greater than ourselves. I believe each and every one of us were created to be part of the greater story of not just what we are doing in this earth, but what God is doing on this earth. There's a bigger story. Nelson Mandela said this quote. If you'll bring this quote up, he says, There is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that's less than the one you are capable of living. This is what God has put in us, that there is a life, a purpose, that you are capable for living. And the worst thing that can happen for us is to settle beneath this. I know I talk about this a lot. If you're part of One Hope, you know I have been saying for years and years and years that we're created on purpose for a purpose. The reason I say this over and over is because at the core of us, we want to matter. At the core of us, we want to have this. We've got to understand where this comes from and who we come from and where this purpose comes from. I just, I don't mind beating that drum because the world tries to steal this from us every day and we lessen our purpose. We settle below the purpose I think that God has given us because we want to matter. We want this purpose. And we can spend our whole life trying to live out this purpose by the world's standards. Or we can go to Jesus and we can say, Jesus, I want my purpose to come from you. Has it ever been spoken from you that, that God, maybe I'm settling in life, and so I'm going to come to you and say, I want my purpose to align with your purpose. At the end of the day, that's what I want because this, there's something I know is going to happen inside of me. That God, I know I'm created to be part of something bigger than myself. And maybe for someone in this room, you're like, Scott, like, you don't feel like you're created for something more. And I'll tell you, that's not because of God's desire. That's because we have settled. And if you don't feel a fire for a purpose in your life, there is one waiting for you. But what happens is I think we fall in love with the trap of this world. We begin to live by its standards, begin, by, begin to buy its, its rules. And what happens over and over is that life ends up coming up short. And I just believe to the core of who I am is that when we find our purpose in Jesus, we'll also find ful fulfillment in life. I think we're going to wrestle with this, is that until we find our purpose in Jesus, we will remain unfulfilled because how we were created. But once we find our purpose in Jesus, then we also find this fulfillment that has been lacking. And so Jesus asked the question, you've got to decide. Is their purpose going to flow out of following him, or do they have another agenda? Jesus is going to push this in their life often. You're going to follow what I'm following you, or follow what I'm telling you, or you're going to have your own agenda. You ha Again, I said at the beginning, you, 
You can't have Jesus and have the world at the same time. It's at the end of the day, this is going to be something you're going to have to wrestle down in your life. Like we can't pick and choose the moments. It's it's you, you're picking one or the other. Where are you getting your purpose from? This will determine a lot in how you live. So it was, so it was, people want to be loved, people want purpose, and then they want provision, okay, provision. Now, when I say provision, a lot of the things that come to mind probably are money and, and things. It's, it's more than that. Essentially, what I mean is we ask the question, am I going to be okay in life? This is what people um, say to themselves. It's, it's underneath. That's why I said earlier, some people say safety is the thing they want. I think it's more provision. Like, I'm, am I going to get from life what I think I need in life. Now the problem is scripture says that this world has been given over to an enemy, ruled by an enemy, and so so we can't always choose what this life's about and be, this feeling that ends up being is I feel unsafe. I'm not sure things are going to work out. It's an underlying tension we have. It's an underlying stress. Are things going to work out? Am I going to be provided for? And so we have a choice. Are we going to fight for those things for ourselves? Are you going to wake up in the morning and say, I've got to fight to stay alive, to, stay, to, to have what I need, that I'm going to wake up in the morning and say, I've got to make sure this all comes together? Or we're going to say, God, you ultimately are our provider. And I'm going to trust that you are going to give me everything that I need. It's our choice to trust ourselves or the one that created everything. But I'm going to tell you, when we decide to let God to be the provider and stop pushing and pushing and pushing, what happens is we begin to get a peace that surpasses anything else this world has to offer. Scripture says, with Christ, when we begin to trust Him, we get a peace that surpasses all worldly understanding. And so when we go to God, this is where I want to grab a hold of this provision. When we go to God for our provision, what we also get is this peace that you couldn't get anywhere else and it doesn't make sense to anyone else. Why do you feel so at peace? Because I, prov I believe that God is going to provide what I need versus when you go do everything by yourself. And the results of this are, tell me if you feel this, you've got stress, there's frustration, there's anger building up, there are comparison issues that you have to deal with, there is bitterness, there's loss of sleep, loss of joy, uh, just heartache in general, this never-ending pursuit that is just wearing on you. If you feel these things, it's because you have put the pressure on yourself to be your provider in life versus saying, God, like, I want to trust you with the provision that I know you're going to bring to me. And I think Jesus puts it on these two people and goes, what do you want? And I think what this gets to is, are you going to trust me to provide for you? Are you going to trust that it's not always everything that you think you want but it's everything you need, including the biggest provision ever, is you're going to get eternity forever with me. 
at the end of the day that your eternity is taken care of. I've got you. And so he puts it out there, kind of at their feet and goes, hey, what do you want? But this is the great thing that I want us to understand today is that when you know what you want and where you are going to get it, if I can convince you that all the wants and desires you have in your life are common to everybody and it needs to be found in Jesus, what we get, get is a gift that keeps on giving. The gift that we get when we decide what we want and where we're going to get it is a clarity in life. When you have clarity in your life, it changes your every day. It's not just a philosophical, spiritual, theological, whatever, intellect. When you have decided what you really want in life and where you're going to get it, you get this clarity. And it's kind of like I said to ja about Jackson in the beginning. When he knew exactly what he wanted, it was like, I'm off and running and I'm going after it. When you know what you're searching for, you wake up differently. You wake up and you have a clarity of life. And when I think about life, when I'm doing this and I, I feel like I'm being focused on Jesus and, and, and my wants are being totally given to him, the, the clarity I experience in my life, a uh, clarity of sight. First thing is the clarity of sight. I begin to see the world differently. I begin to see life differently. Things that were just in front of me that were not clear, all of a sudden I can see, oh, this is what needs to matter for my life. It's like recently, I just, in the last month or so, I sold my truck. Okay, I had a truck for a while, I sold this truck. And I'm back into what I had before, I'm back into a Jeep, okay? Jeep life is weird. Because Jeep owners are super exclusive and super like elitist. I'm going to be honest. Like Jeep, Jeep owners say things like, it's just a Jeep thing you wouldn't understand. You know, this is what Jeep people do, okay? And, and now that I drive one, I can make fun of myself. And what happens is we, we drive around town and we see each other, we give little waves. Do you know that? If you don't drive a Jeep, it's so stupid, but I do it. All day long, I drive around town. And I'm trying to see other Jeeps and I'm like driving I'm like, What's up? Like, they're my family or something. Like, I know them, but it's a Jeep thing you understand. Um, but I did not, for a long time, see, like, all the Jeeps that were in town. There's so many Jeeps in this town. But I'm not driving a Jeep. I don't see the Jeeps. But now I'm looking for Jeeps because i got to wave the Jeeps. i got to be part of the thing. And I see them all the time. And I got thinking about that. I'm like, this is what happens in life. When you have clarity of sight and you're looking for something, you begin to see things that you didn't see before. They're right in front of you. And when we decide that, that what I really want in life is what Jesus wants for me, my sight changes. See, I believe that, that, that the Holy Spirit gives you eyes to see things Jesus wants for your life when you decide you want what Jesus wants for you. I can't say that really quickly, okay? That will get us all. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, gives you eyes to see things that Jesus wants for you when you decide you want what Jesus wants for you. Does that make sense? He gives us clarity of, of sight. Now, the second clarity, I think, he gives us clarity of pursuit, okay? Clarity of pursuit. 
Clarity of pursuit is, I know what I want, I've got the sight, but now I'm clear to, this is what I'm pursuing in life. I know what I'm going after. And when you are pursuing Jesus, what he has for your life, I just believe you'll wake up different in the morning. I found so often in my life, when I have clarity of sight, I get clarity of pursuit, and it changes my it's my direction. It changes how I go about my days. So clarity does. It says, Scott, when you see what you want, now you have clarity in go after that. Go, go after that today. I think it changes your days. Then the last one is clarity of priorities. Couldn't it be said that one of the things that biggest issues in life of not accomplishing what you think you should accomplish is is the distractions that come your way? Couldn't it be said that one of the biggest issues you have is what to say yes to and what to say no to? And don't you find in your life that you are chasing random and useless things? If you took an inventory of this week, I, I actually want this to be in your mind. The things you say yes to and no to, if you have clarity of priorities, would it change your priorities? See, I think what you'd notice if you start watching, it would not only change how much you accomplished, but it would change what you accomplished. If you really started looking and saying, Jesus, I need to know what you want for my life because I've got to have a clarity of priorities, you would begin to say no to things you've been saying yes to a long time, and you'd be saying yes to things you've been saying no to for a long time. And it doesn't just change how much you get done. It changes what you get done. When we want what Jesus wants, it changes the list of priorities in our life. It changes what we spend our time on, our energy on, our money on. Like, it changes everything about it. So listen, I think Jesus is asking this question. What do you want? What do you want in life? He's putting this at the feet of these disciples, and I think he'll do this again and again. But there's a reason it's at the beginning of the book of John, so I think culture is being set. We have to make this decision in life. And what I'm hoping is, the answer to your question is, I want you, and I want everything you want for my life. I want you, and I want everything you have for my life. hoping you wake up and you say that every day because here's the last truth of today I'll tell you I want to take home is that when we don't do that our life can end up I'll say like a kid in a candy shop the candy shop of life when we don't decide what we're really going after, we walk in and we're like, we're bouncing around, I want some of this, and I want some of this, and I want some of this. It's like, like uh, we bounce around from like person to person. We walk, we bounce around from thing to thing. We, we bounce around from, from, uh, from activity to activity, and we bounce around from sin to sin, and we bounce around from addiction to addiction. And, and all of this because we're trying to quench this like deep desire that's in us for these things that we want. But we know what happens in life when we we end up treating life like a candy store and we just start picking everything that's in front of us. What does it do? What's, what's it do? It makes you sick. 
that lifestyle is going to wreak havoc on you. And what people have found so often is that living life this way, you don't feel whole, you don't feel fulfilled, and you don't feel a peace. But what I'd love for us to do today is to look at Jesus and go, what do I want? I really just want you. What do I want is just everything that you want for me. And if we can answer it that way, how would our life change? So we bow our heads real quick. How are you answering that question in life? If Jesus would just ask you that question right now, what do you want? How are you answering that question? Are you answering, I want you? I want what you want. Or do you answer, I kind of want what I want? Jesus, I kind of want you and I want the world. And Jesus, today I pray that you would speak to us to say that we will never feel whole, we'll never feel fulfilled, we'll never feel at peace until we answer this question. I go to you for everything. Until I answer, God, I want everything you want for me. Until I answer the question, like, I may miss out on some things that I thought I wanted, but really, I just want everything you want for me today, God. I pray you'd speak to your people. Help us to answer this question. And may we find everything we want only in you. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.